You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. My wife and I want to thank you for letting us be with you this week. We've had a great time. There's no place like Birmingham, and there's no church like the Advent. Now, please be seated. We're going to read from John chapter 12. The first few verses of that chapter. John 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Matthew served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus replied, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that the Lord Jesus seemed to really love parties. He was always at parties. He was at Levi's house at a party, Matthew's house at a party. He was at this wedding party in Cana. I don't know what they would have done if he hadn't been there that day when they ran out of wine. But it's very interesting how often he's pictured at a party, and that's the case here. These times with his friends over food and drink, I think, reminded him that one day in eternity... Jesus will gather with all those who love him for a heavenly banquet. When you read all the accounts of this dinner party in the different Gospels, you you see that there were at least 17 people at this dinner party. Why? Well, a few weeks earlier, Jesus had done something stupendous, something that was so astounding that no one would ever forget it. He had raised a man, a friend of his, Lazarus, from the dead. And this gathering was particularly to celebrate that miracle, to honor both Jesus and Lazarus. And this would be their last celebration. And Jesus had a heavy heart. The following day, he would enter into the city. The throngs would come out to welcome him, Palm Sunday. But for Jesus, there would be no more celebration. Uh, There was only one 
present at the party that night who really understood that. And we'll get to her in just a moment. There are four people who figure prominently in this encounter with Jesus. There's Lazarus, there's Mary, there's Martha, and Judas. So Lazarus is seated right next to Jesus at the party. The disciples and all the neighbors who were there surely wanted Lazarus to tell them all the details of what, what, it, what, what was it like when you died. Uh, what in the world was it like? Was it just like being asleep or did you see God? Uh, heaven? But Lazarus doesn't say anything at all. At least John doesn't quote him as saying anything. Maybe John doesn't think it was important. If he did say something, perhaps John doesn't want us speculating about that. Then there's Martha. Martha prepared the meal. She's the older sister, Martha and Mary. Martha oversaw all the preparation and the serving. Now, you might remember on another occasion, she, she chastened her younger sister Mary for not helping her. But this time she seems to be content to have done all the things by herself. Martha was one of those people who was consistently thinking about others. What they would need. How to provide for them. At one time she felt that others should all do the same. But she seems like she's gotten past that now. She's less judgmental in this story. Still, she knew it was important to get everybody together to celebrate her brother Lazarus' new life. And Martha loved Jesus, too. She certainly did. But Martha was a doer, less demonstrative, less emotional. She kept in the background. Martha wouldn't have been the sort to save precious perfume like her sister did. And then there's Mary. Mary honored Jesus with worship. Martha honored him with work. She found great joy in serving the Lord. For her, serving others and serving the Lord was enough. But it was Mary who took center stage in this story. Not really sure she intended to, but Mary wasn't the sort to plan ahead or think things through. Mary was a feeler. And sometime during the meal, Mary left the room quietly, briefly, then returned carrying something that none of these guests had ever seen. It was something she had hidden away among her most private possessions a delicate decanter uh, filled with a terribly costly perfume. I can remember as a little boy, my mother wore a perfume named uh, Chanel Number no. 5. I don't know if they still have it or not. But I remember mother used to always impress upon me how expensive Chanel Number no. 5 was. Well, this perfume was the equivalent of Chanel Number no. 500. I mean, it was really something else. A terribly costly perfumed ointment. It was pure nard, a rare ointment from India that must have had a powerful fragrance. Uh, and there was a lot of it. And the value was equal to um, a laborer's annual income. In today's economy, that'd be thousands of dollars. This was a gift of enormous value to anyone. And scholars have often wondered what this woman was doing with such valuable possession. And one theory is that the alabaster jar was Mary's dowry. In that culture, a bride was required to bring a marriage, to bring into marriage a dowry equivalent 
to her place in society. And if a woman had no dowry, it meant no marriage. And if that's true, Mary's gift was of immense personal value to her. And it must have been so that Jesus wouldn't have been so impressed by what she did. And it may be, in fact, that Mary at this point was giving up her hopes of marriage when she poured out her dowry upon Jesus. And it may be that her future with a husband, her hopes for children, were all wrapped up in that gift. And it might have represented her future and uh, all the dreams that she had had. And if this was true, Mary was basically giving herself, giving all she had, really, to the Lord. But there was more to it than that. It meant even more to Jesus because of what it signified to him. So listen to what Jesus said. She has done a beautiful thing for me. You will not have me much longer. And in fact, what she has done is she has anointed my body to prepare it for burial. And in fact, this was the last tender expression of love shown to Jesus before he died. So why did she do this? I think Mary was the only one who understood that indeed Jesus would soon be killed. She understood his sorrows. She wanted to do something extravagant to show him he was treasured. They all treasured him, but she's the one who dramatically showed it to him. And Jesus seemed to be saying, don't, don't interfere. She alone has understood what I'm about to do, and she loves me for it. And then there's Judas. He's the one disciple who spoke out. And he was angry. This valuable perfume could have raised a good deal of money. From his perspective, uh, Mary was being completely irresponsible. It was a waste to be so extravagant. And he, of all the twelve, realized in a stap the exact value of this ointment. But he, he had no perception of the importance of Mary's act of worship. By now, Joseph had become accustomed to taking what wasn't his, and he saw things only in terms of monetary value. He had a critical spirit that was dominated by greed. Don't waste that on Jesus. I remember one day a uh, parishioner came to me, and he said that he had learned of some beautiful stained glass windows that could be purchased and they cost a good deal of money. But he felt they might honor the Lord and bring special beauty to a place in our new building in Virginia. And now they're, they're, they are in our small Cranmer Chapel. And they have, they have wonderfully transformed what was just a room into a beautiful holy place of worship. It, unnecessary, but extravagant. He did it anonymously, anonymously out of love for the Lord. And given our current financial need in our church, some might have said, well, it would have been a lot better to have given that cash to the church. I don't think so. There's more in this story. When you read the other gospel accounts of this dinner party, you read that all the disciples were quite uncomfortable at what Mary had done. And, but I'm not sure it was for the same reason that Judas was uncomfortable. I'm guessing that Mary was still a fairly young woman. 
And Jesus' disciples were young men, too, some married, some single. In that culture, women were extremely modest in the way they dressed and behaved. Taking her hair down, as she did before these men, pulling off her headscarf and letting it hang free was in that day something no respectable woman would think of doing. It was provocative. It's, it's hard to express how shocking it would have been. The other accounts tell us that Mary didn't simply anoint Jesus' feet, but also his head and his entire body pouring it over his clothing, I guess, and then with her long hair drying his feet. Every man in that room knew that the only man allowed to see a woman with her hair down would be her husband, and, and then only in the most private intimate moments of marriage. These were good men, respectful, faithful. I think it made them very uncomfortable. It would have brought thoughts and desires to their minds that good men were ashamed of. And you can just see them averting their eyes when she did this. We, sh we shouldn't be seeing this. What is she thinking? So it was tense. J Judas had his outburst. Mary shocked everybody. Jesus was grieving at what he knew was about to happen. But then Jesus spoke in, into that moment in a surprising way. He said, don't criticize Mary. Don't be embarrassed by what she's done. She's doing this. She's offering her attention and care for me in an extravagant and unselfconscious way because she realizes that I will be dead very soon. And she's anointing my body for burial. And whenever people speak of me, they will tell the story of Mary as well. He basically says, don't, don't judge her. This is not a waste. Certainly, as Judas said, certainly we must feed the poor. But Jesus would have said, how many times have we already talked about this? How many times have we fed the poor together? Of course this is urgent. But friends, I'm only going to be with you for a few more days, and then I'll be gone. And only Mary sees the cross that's waiting for me. And she realizes that we've now reached the end, and there will be no more opportunities to show me your love. Mary appears three times in the Gospels. And each time she's either sitting or kneeling at the feet of Jesus to be as close to him as she could, to hear anything, everything that he said. That was her goal. That's how she learned so much. That's how she had such perception. Are you like that? Honestly, I don't know any other way to mature in wisdom the wisdom of God to be deepened in the Holy Spirit to develop genuine discernment than to be at the feet of Jesus. Do you need to ask God to help you learn to do this? To pray, to listen, to discern? Maybe you're like Martha. Do you find your joy in simply doing for others? That's, that's so good. As long as you don't evaluate your own worth by how much you get done, and as long as you don't judge others by how much they do for God, might you perhaps need to learn how to be more expressive of your love for the Lord? Ask God to help you if you do. Are you like Judas?
Do you tend to go very quickly to the bottom line? Is life about keeping control of things? Always being sensible? Always being careful to take care of yourself? Are you skeptical of those who want to do extravagant things for God? Well, ask God to free you up. <laughs> or are you like the disciples? Are you embarrassed by the emotion of some believers who just seem to be so uninhibited, <laughs> not caring what others think? Does that just put you off a little bit? Do you need to learn to be more accepting? Ask God to help you. Mary relinquished all the dreams that had mattered to her before Jesus came. She lost all concern about what others think. And she abandoned all thoughts of maintaining her dignity. She just didn't care. Because she knows who Jesus is. And she knows what he has done for her. And she loves him for it. And she has understood that the death of Jesus and what it was for. He owed her absolutely nothing, yet he died for her sins. And she understood the cross and what his death meant. That it was for us, for our sins. People who don't understand the cross may be put off by emotional worship. People who don't understand the cross find it hard to understand how people would give sacrificially, even extravagantly, to God's works, to God's church. People who don't under, understand the cross don't know what to do with their own pain. Have a hard time with prayer. Ask God to help you appreciate the cross. Mary gave all that she had to Jesus. What he wants is us. I was listening to Tim Keller preach, and he said in his sermon, the hardest thing to give is in. As in, I give in. And listening to him speak about this, it reminded me of something our family saw years ago in the north of England. I'll tell you a story, then we'll go to lunch. We were in a place called the Yorkshire Dales. We stayed at a sheep farm. And it was, it was time of the season when they were disinfecting the sheep. And because he loved his sheep and he wanted them to be healthy and productive, the shepherd would lift them one by one and drop them into a deep tub of disinfectant. And, and he would push them all the way under so that they might be cleansed. Now you can picture that. I'm sure the poor sheep thought that the shepherd wanted to hurt them but he was actually just trying to save them the sheep they don't know what he's doing but they know the shepherd so they submit to him they didn't fight if I don't submit to God if I put conditions on my love my obedience to Christ that means that I am still the master and I just want Jesus to be my servant. Mary wasn't like that. Martha, Judas, the disciples, Mary, Jesus loved them all. 
of what he wants is our unreserved love for us to give him all giving all that we can to all that we know of him the only way that he can care for us all the only way that he can do for us all that we need to live an abundant life is when we give our all to him and then he can do his all for us dear Lord help us each of us to keep growing closer to you to learn how to love you more help us to learn from both these ladies to be like Martha to serve others with love and kindness and help us to be like Mary to sit at your feet to give all that we are to you we pray in your name amen You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.